0: Praise be unto you and peace from God our Father and our Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. Our text for our meditation here this morning is recorded in the fourth chapter of the book of Leviticus, beginning with the third verse. If it is the anointed priest who sins, thus bringing guilt on the people, then he shall offer for the sin that he has committed a bull from the herd without blemish to the Lord for a sin offering. He shall bring the bull to the entrance of the tent of meeting before the Lord and lay his hand on the head of the bull and kill the bull before the Lord. And the anointed priest shall take some of the blood of the bull and bring it into the tent of meeting. And a priest shall dip his finger in the blood and sprinkle part of the blood seven times before the Lord in front of the veil of the sanctuary. And the priest shall put some of the blood on the horns of the altar of fragrant incense before the Lord that is in the tent of meeting, meeting. And all the rest of the blood of the bowl he shall pour out at the base of the altar of burnt offering. That is... At the entrance of the tent of meeting. These are your words, Heavenly Father. Sanctify us to your truth. Your word is truth. Amen. You may be seated. In the 20th century, man learned to harness the power of the life giving sun. He split the atom and made nuclear power. Nuclear reactors have sustained human life ever since. They light up our cities at night. They keep our furnaces roaring through the dead of winter. And they cook the food that we so desperately need to energize us in this life. But nuclear reactors can also kill when disrespected. The world learned that lesson the hard way, 37 years ago, yesterday. On that fateful day, Chernobyl's number four reactor went into meltdown. The damage done to human life and the environment is uncalculable. Not even the 2016 sarcophagus is able to contain the reactor's deadly radiation Beyond a hundred years. With all this in mind, let us consider this striking theme God's temple is a divine nuclear reactor. First, we shall see that God's temple has the power to kill when disrespected through unrepentance. In the Old Testament, God located his life giving presence in the temple. More specifically, the Ark of the Covenant. In this temple, the Levitical priests were to safely mediate God's life-giving presence to the people through the Old Testament means of grace, namely the word, Passover, circumcision, and the sacrifices. But the sacrifices had another function as well they were necessary to atone for sin and to purify the temple so that God could reconnect with his people. This is because sin breaks the law and defiles and pollutes God's temple, causing separation between God and man. Now, to be sure, the sacrifices didn't have the power to atone and to purify in and of themselves. Rather they, show, rather, they acknowledged the gravity of sin and showed repentance on the part of the sinner. They were also conduits of God's forgiveness and they foreshadowed the sacrifice that Christ would make on Mount Calvary. But what would happen if people left sin untreated? What would happen if people just blew off the sacrifices? Or just went through the motions? A critical mass of sin would cling to the Ark of the Covenant and a meltdown would take place. This actually happened in the book of Ezekiel. A critical mass of sin clung to the Ark of the Covenant so that God removed his life-giving presence from the temple. He destroyed Jerusalem, and God's holy people were sent into exile in Babylon. Now Ezekiel also talks about another very unique temple, one not made by human hands. This temple is none other than Jesus Christ. It is not limited to any specific locale, but can be found wherever Christ's body, the church, is present. In this church, his holy ministry communicates God's life-giving presence to the people through the New Testament means of grace. But if we don't draw near with repentance and faith, it can go Chernobyl on us as well. For how many people have to be led astray by our sinful examples before we take ownership of our pet sins and acknowledge them rather than leading others astray? How long can we keep paying lip service to the gospel before God removes that gentle rain from our midst how often do we go to bed at night still nursing a grudge against someone else who sinned against us and then there's the sacrament of the altar it's life-giving when received in repentance and faith but it's life-killing when received in an unworthy manner? Do we approach the altar on Sunday with nothing more than a quick sorry, but no real genuine intention to change our sinful ways? Do we believe that what we receive on our tongue is the very body born of Mary that hung upon the cross for our salvation? Are we in full harmony with Christ's teachings, and commune with those who confess the same. If not, we're playing a very dangerous game. Paul states, For anyone who eats and drinks without discerning the body, eats and drinks judgment on himself. This is why many of you are weak and ill, and some have died from such unrepentance and unfaithfulness in this Lenten season once again dear brothers and sisters let us ask God that he preserve us now we shall see that God's temple also has the power to give life to all those who receive it and faith what is more it's the only source of life that there really is now it's often assumed in the Old Testament that the Old Testament sacrifices show that God doesn't really like us all that much. But the sacrifices actually say exactly the opposite. God so wants to share divine life with each one of us that he's willing to accept sacrifice to do so. Thus, whether it was a deliberate sin or an accidental sin in the Old Testament, god made a sacrifice for that whether it was to sin against god or sin also against another god also made a sacrifice for that in fact in our text for today it shows that even a high priest could be forgiven you're probably thinking how bad could a high priest really be but recognize his sins were so grave because when the high priest sinned, it had the potential to lead all of Israel astray. Now notice, through the previous section, I kept saying that God made a sacrifice for that. The Old Testament sacrifices certainly shows our repentance and were condolence in which they received forgiveness from God. But they were also only types, foreshadows of Christ's New Testament sacrifice from which all the power to forgive was derived. For only Christ could appease the wrath that animal sacrifices could only delay. What animal sacrifices ultimately couldn't purify, Christ's blood had the power to sanctify. The satisfaction and payment that animal blood only symbolized. Christ's sacrifice accomplished and so very, very much more. For as our victim and our high priest, he offered up himself as the one sufficient sacrifice in order to pay for the sins of all people, to sanctify the temple, and to reconcile God with man in both testaments. Or as the writer to the Hebrews puts it, as both are or, it is impossible for the blood of bulls and goats to take away sins, but rather, it is God's will that we have been sanctified through the offering of the blood of Jesus Christ once and for all, For where there is forgiveness of sin, there is no longer any offering for sin. Not only that, but where there is forgiveness of sins, there is also life and salvation. Therefore, we have nothing to fear from the temple of Christ's body, the church, but only everything, to, only everything to gain. For God is coming to each of us once again today, pronouncing to you through my mouth the very forgiveness of all of your previous offenses against him. What is more... He has promised you, he is giving to you the very power to amend your sinful life and to remain in his life-giving presence forevermore. Christ's high priestly sacrifice makes this so certain that the writer of the Hebrews invites each of us to join into divine life with him. He writes, let us draw near with a true heart and full assurance of faith. drawing near in the comic books Clark Kent is called Superman because of all the power that he derives from earth's sun. but this is nothing in comparison with all that we gain from the son of righteousness who radiates divine love and divine life from his healing wings Saint John the divine was so confident of this that he says these words by holy inspiration. Beloved, we are God's children now, and what we will be has not yet appeared. But we know that when Christ appears on the last day in glory, we shall be like him because we shall see him as he is. God's new temple has indeed come in order to bring life to all of us. And what is more, Life in abundance. Amen.